0: It's time.
1: We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational.
2: And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me
1: or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it.
3: Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We
1: have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do.
3: It's
4: time
5: to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director
1: of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game,
3: this is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host.
1: Some things are worth fighting for. And the White House
3: says President Joe Biden has been briefed after a rocket attack at the Kabul airport. A U.S. official says as many as five rockets were fired, but no casualties have been reported. Video obtained by CNN shows a vehicle apparently used as an improvised launcher in flames on a street in the Afghan capital. Now, this comes one day after the U.S. said an airstrike took out an imminent threat to the airport. And this video from social media shows people gathered at the aftermath of Sunday's airstrike. A U.S. official says the vehicle targeted contained at least one suicide bomber. The U.S. military says secondary explosions from the vehicle may have caused civilian
1: casualties. All right, so that was a CNN report early this morning. and There was another Iraq attack. She told you that. Uh, of course, they make it sound as though the Biden administration is, you know, taking out the terrorists. We've read that one had been taken out uh, by some drone or something to that effect. They targeted one person who had uh, allegedly orchestrated the bombing at Kabul. Well, that's good, uh, but maybe one person's not quite enough. Let me just say, Dan Crenshaw, who was a special forces guy who now serves in Congress, we've talked to Dan quite quite a few times, he tweeted, America, you need to know this. Biden is not letting U.S. citizens through the airport gates. It has been impossible to get anyone through for the last 24 hours. This administration has been lying about their intent to save Americans. Unforgivable. He also uh, did an interview. Today, of course, is the 30th, and the deadline to get out is the 31st. Uh, NATO actually issued a statement uh, saying, We regret to inform you that international military evacuations from Kabul airport have ended, and we are no longer able to call anyone forward for evacuation flights. We will keep lists of all of you who have registered uh, there's a lot more to say, but rather than me say it, I want to introduce my next guest because she's been on the front lines of this, uh, you know, wearing it. I was just uh, thinking about her as we were getting ready to go on the air. It's one thing to talk about it. It's quite another thing to be on the front lines. Simone Ledeen is that. She's the former Deputy Assistant Director, Secretary of Defense for the Middle East. Uh, before that, or she is currently also the Senior Fellow at the Middle East Institute and Visiting Fellow at the National Security Institute at George Mason's University at the Antonin Scalia School of Law. And, um, uh, Simone, thanks for joining us this morning. We appreciate it so much. Hello, Simone. Uh, I can't hear her. Can you guys hear? Is she there? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, now I can hear you. Simone, the other thing I didn't say about, by the way, Good morning.
3: The Good other morning. thing I did
1: say about you is that you, you have at least one brother, maybe two, who either are or were Marines. Is that right? Yes, both of my brothers served in the Marine Corps. Yeah, so you have a little bit of an interest and knowledge about that on a personal level, too. So, um, what I heard sure Britain... you. I... Go ahead.
2: Oh, no, I, I was just going to add, I, I also spent almost uh, two years total deployed to Afghanistan myself.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So, can you tell us can you tell us what you have been doing in general or even specifically i just'm not sure what you can say yeah,
2: sure i mean i'm today I'm a private citizen, and uh, I think like many Afghanistan veterans uh you know have been uh pinged and uh you know asked by various people if I could help um, you know facilitate You know, getting people to the gate of the airport, alerting the government, uh, different you know parts of the government that certain people were outside, be they American citizens, be they Afghans who had served with us, who had fought with us side by side. So um, that that's really what I got involved in. Um, Joined one of these groups, and as far as I know, there are like 30 plus groups of. People, mostly veterans that have um, been working together um, to to help um, to help this overall uh, evacuation effort.
1: You know, I've been reading about that. I, you know, several guys who are former special forces or former military, at their own expense, raising money, going in there to rescue people. Also, I read this morning about a, an airline pilot. Uh, who had uh, worked together with his buddies, and they were trying to get people out as well. But, Simone, that just begs the question, what's happening there on the ground? Now, I have an email, and you probably, you may have seen this also, but this is from someone who's on the ground, and this is what he says, and then I want to ask you to supplement what you know. He says, we are still working several U.S. citizens who have been waiting days and still cannot get into the gates The American citizens are required to fill out a local form with a face photo and passport open. We got a family turned away several hours ago because because the father's nickname on the on-site paper did not match his blue passport name, although the photo clearly does. They had to start over. We are told not to bother with green card holders. They're not going to open the gates for them. About 22 Christians have been beaten. I'm not clear whether they are the same Christians kicked out of the airport yesterday. Uh, Cheney and Graham are working on that, but the Taliban is blocking. a uh, children's music school was torched. Um, they're still on a bus trying to get in. A uh, biometrics unit uh, is trying to get in, and that's, I guess, officially American biometrics unit holding a lot of uh, sophisticated uh, things that we don't want them to get a hold of. Uh, and a USAID convoy, they're still waiting to get in. A Ukraine offer of a plane to folk to get out is, has been refused. We're also told the CIA also is not permitting planes to fly this time for the evacuation. The situation is dire. Yeah, so, Simone, what what can you say about that? What can you add to that that you know that's happening right now?
2: Um, Well, that's a lot of specifics. I mean, I guess I can say um, that I'm aware of that uh, it's not accurate to say that uh, American citizens who want to leave can leave, um, first and foremost. Um, that has not been my experience. Um, American citizens have tried multiple times over multiple days, um, to get access to the airport, to get one of the gates opened. And, um, especially the past several days, uh, the gates will not, have not been opened, um, for, um, the Americans that I've been aware of. Um, so, you know, that is problematic, uh, (laughs) to say the least. Um, You know, in other foreign countries, you know, if you're a blue passport holder and you show up outside the gates of an embassy with your blue passport, you know, they have to let you in. And so this has been a really shocking experience, and it's hard to understand why this has happened this way. Um, You know, the whole purpose of this operation is a non-combatant evacuation operation. So get the American citizens out. We're now facing uh, a scenario where evacuation flights um, either have halted completely or are about to. And um, there are Americans who want to leave who have not been able to leave. So um, I, you know, it's been very upsetting for a lot of us who have seen this happen. Um, There's so many cries for help, not only from American citizens, but also, as you mentioned, green card holders, um, Christians, other religious minorities like Sikhs um, who, you know, who should who to my knowledge arrived at the gates of the airport and were not admitted were not allowed entry um despite pretty senior people um including i think you mentioned Senator Graham and others who who were really lobbying for this to to happen and and um it's unclear why why it didn't sandy <laughs>
1: Well, I think you have a clue, and I think I do too. But we need to kind of pound that down. So American citizens, I've already reported last week that on those planes we see flying out with all those people, the percentage of Americans is actually very small. It's mostly Afghan citizens we're not even sure. In fact, I read this morning that there's an FBI person who is reporting. Uh, I don't have the thing in front of me. But they're they're handing out like blank visa applications that someone is saying – they're handing these out to everyone, which means that whoever's on those planes, they've not been vetted. Now they have the resources and material to be, to be able to get into the United States and actually fly on our aircraft. Uh, Simone, this can't be an accident. This can't be an um, accident. No one's that stupid.
2: Sandy, I completely agree with you. Um, one, one point I would make is, I mean, at least, they're transporting these people to a third country, be it like Germany, Qatar, you know, there are a lot of countries right now where we've been moving uh, these refugees and that's where they go through the vetting process. So not everybody who makes it to a third country will make it to the United States. Um, I, my understanding is they are vetted at these U S military bases, but I, I mean, that begs the question. And, and you really brought this up. why, why were they evacuated in the first place when we have so many americans, so many um, Afghans who did serve with us um, who did not make it? How did this happen um, there's so much there's so many questions like this um, that a lot of people are wondering, is this incompetence or is this something else
1: yeah well i i uh, I put my money on something else uh, because uh, you know you can only. Uh, This is the fundamental transformation of America. This is the undergirding. This is the deconstruction of America as we know it. It's the destruction of America as we know it. And and actually, just to kind of... I'm sure people have heard this, but it's worth listening to again. Jake Tapper actually asked a question of, you know, uh, Joe Biden's right-hand national security guy, Jake Sullivan. And uh, let's listen to this exchange, and then it would be interesting to get your comments on this, Simone. It's clip eight.
6: You talked about the... the Um, commitment to Afghan special immigrant visa applicants. Um, There was a report that the Biden administration has not disputed uh, that U.S. government employees gave a list of Afghan S.I.V.s who the U.S. was trying to evacuate to the Taliban so as to allow them through checkpoints. I understand the U.S. has relied upon the Taliban for this evacuation Process, But with all due respect, a lot of these Afghan SIVs, as you know better than I, they think the Taliban's gonna kill them. And you've given them a list of their
5: their names. Jake, we've actually aggressively and decisively disputed that report. We have given no list of all of the American uh, SIV holders to the Taliban or any other kind of big list. What your viewers need to understand is that the way that we are moving thousands and thousands of Afghans at risk to the airport, is asking them to muster, many of them on buses, bringing them to the airport, and then we work with the Taliban, group by group, bus by bus, to get them through the Taliban checkpoints and onto the airport compound. That is the type of coordination we've done with the Taliban. That has resulted in journalists and women and pilots and other SIVs being able to get through and get on planes and out of the country. But some idea that we're handing over databases or lists to the Taliban is simply unfounded and inaccurate. What we are doing is working for discrete groups of individuals to get them onto the airfield. That has allowed us to literally move thousands and tens of thousands of people through Kabul to the airport and out of the country.
6: Well, there was a Pentagon official in that report that referred to this as a kill list. Are you just, are you disputing that any of this information was given or are you just disputing that it was a huge comprehensive list? I mean, maybe there was a smaller list uh, and those SIVs did not get into the airport. Is there any, is there any chance
5: that that happened? I have just laid out for you the process that we have used.
1: All right, so Jake Tapper versus Jake Sullivan. And, uh, um, Simone, uh, so there, uh, you okay, so is Jake Tapper lying is the guy from the Pentagon lying? Do you know anything about this? Did they hand out a list or did they not?
2: Well, um, even if you um, believe what Jake, T- not, excuse me, what uh, Sullivan is saying in this interview, he is saying that they do, uh, in order to get, um, to get buses through, they do provide lists to uh, the Taliban. Now, we just discussed how a lot of these buses have not been allowed entry into the airport. And so we are basically we we have given those names to the Taliban um, and not allowed uh, these individuals entry to the airport. So already uh, that's false. Um, But I would say, you know, I don't have any definitive information, Sandy. Like, I don't I don't have independent confirmation. But I have heard a lot of people say that um, they do have the biometrics database. Uh, the Taliban have the biometrics database that, um, that we, the United States, created in order to track who you know, the Afghans are uh, that we worked with, that we're going to be allowed entry on various U.S. facilities uh, in Afghanistan. My understanding is the Taliban has that and um and that is I agree that is a kill list. I mean, what logical government gives its enemy a list of people who are loyal to them I mean it is a it's a target list
1: and, absolutely
2: um so if that list had been used to evacuate those people, that would have been one thing, but we know for a fact it wasn't I mean it is treacherous
1: it is that's that's the word it's just it is unbelievable and so but practically speaking now, this is August the 30th. Uh, Joe Biden kept talking about his deadline. With a, He has an agreement with the Taliban and they're going to keep Americans safe. They've promised to do that and they're going to help us get all of these Americans out afterwards, even if we pull our military out on August the 31st. What is going to happen? Simone, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but I had heard, you know, that there might be a quick withdrawal in the middle of the night. Is that what we're going to see with leaving all those pe- Americans stranded?
2: Um. Unfortunately, I would not be surprised if we saw that. You know, I think um, I, I, I think anything is possible, as we have unfortunately witnessed ourselves in the past month. Um, I, I do know um, that there is an effort, like a broad effort among the groups that, uh, that I'm aware of. We're now uh, sort of putting our data together to give to the government. Here are the Americans that we're tracking that weren't able to make it out. Um, because uh, you know, there is uh, a very developed um, and sophisticated personnel recovery system within the Defense Department and State Department. So my hope is that you know they'll start they'll start recovery operations as soon as possible. Um, I don't want to talk too much about other you know alternatives that people are looking into, I- just but, you know, to keep people's um, safety at top of mind. But,
1: right.
2: you know, people are just, you know, trying to save lives, trying to save yeah. lives and help as much as possible um, in a really dark situation. Uh, we believe there are as many as three to 5,000 Americans that are still in country. Um, <sighs> some of them, you know, I think we'll see a developing narrative from the administration. They've started to talk about Americans who wish to leave. And I think yes. that's going to be part of part of what they say. Well, yes, there are Americans there, but they want to be there. Um,
1: perhaps, but that's not what I've seen. I've seen people
2: who are desperate and who are not able to leave.
1: If we had time, I'd play this clip because uh, Ambassador Ross Wilson from Afghanistan is claiming to Nora O'Don- O'Donnell uh, that uh, we warned them. We warned the Americans here. We've told them over and over again as far back as March or April, and they they didn't leave. So... You know, it's the consequence. So that is exactly what they're saying, Simone. It's their fault.
2: Well, they listened to the government, which said, don't worry, it'll take months if the Taliban do end up taking over. You you have plenty of time. People believe that. And that is why there are are so many Americans um, that are still there, because they thought they had time.
1: Simone, besides prayer, which you know that's something we can all do, and people are doing that, is there anything practical that people listening to this could do?
2: Um, I would uh, recommend and encourage people to contact their members of Congress to demand accountability, because the most important thing that we can all do now is, you know, call out the administration, call out everybody who um, who needs to be uh, called out and demand accountability you know what is true what is not true you know you said that you uh, evacuated you know x thousands of people give us their names. who are yes these? there I'm you go did you evacuate them over these other people i think yeah. there are a lot of questions that need to be answered and as quickly as possible the admin's going to try to sweep this under the
1: rug and hopefully yeah. you won't let them exactly all right so hold their feet to the fire and i'll talk more about that on the other side of this break Simone dean again the former Deputy Assistant Director of Defense for the Middle East. Simone, thanks. It's uh, great to have you this morning, and hopefully we can talk again. And uh, thanks for all the hard work you're doing For that we can't do, the things that only you can do. Thank you. All right. Talk to you since Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: start saving. Here it is, call A3344 Bible. That's A3344 Bible. A3344 Bible.
1: This is pause to pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
4: Today we pray for Jim DeHart, US coordinator for the Arctic region. His office advances US interest in the Arctic in the areas of safety, security, economic growth and cooperation among the Arctic states. Ecclesiastes 4, 9-10 reminds us of the importance of working together. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear God, we ask for guidance for Jim DeHart and his work in the Arctic. We ask this in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the presidential prayer team. Your prayers are needed for the situation in Afghanistan. Free guided prayer points are available now at paustopray.org.
3: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next.
0: If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595.
3: From Gwinnett County, Georgia, comes a terrible story about a 17-year-old white basketball player who was brutally beaten by a gang of athletes. The entire attack was captured on video, which you can see on my website, ToddStarns.com. The 17-year-old was left with a broken jaw, whiplash, a severe concussion. The attack so violent, Nick Cox's jaw was broken in three places, tore through the skin. He is facing multiple surgeries. Only one of the players was arrested in the attack, and he's facing charges as a juvenile. All the boys are back in school. That's why Alyssa Cox is so angry. She says all of the attackers should be punished even though it happened off campus. More than 20,000 people have signed a petition urging authorities to reinvestigate the case. Dare I say this? Had the races been reversed in this story, it would have made national headlines. I'm Todd Stearns.
5: Don't
0: forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the Morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the Morning on American Family Radio.
2: The question has been raised. Why didn't the U.S. get out Americans and our Afghani friends before the Taliban were able to take control
5: of Kabul? You warned about this in a cable were you ignored? We put out uh, repeated warnings every three weeks to Americans going back to I think March or April. Uh, each one in stronger terms: "Leave now! Leave immediately!" Uh, never in my my uh, forty years of working uh, uh, since I began working at the State Department have I seen such strong uh, such strong language used. Uh, people chose not to leave. That's that's their business. That's their right. Uh, I, I we regret now that, that uh, many may find themselves in a position that they would rather not be in. Uh, and we are determined to try to try to help. Them.
1: Yes, we're determined. We're so determined. And it, it's actually their fault. But in spite of the fact that it's their fault, those Americans in Afghanistan, that they didn't leave. And now they're going to be slaughtered, perhaps dragged through the streets. Uh, it's not it's really their fault. And we'll try, you know, but we'll be gracious and we'll try to get them out. And so uh, that's what the ambassador to Afghanistan had to say. Meanwhile, the secretary of state, who now we know was vacationing in the Hamptons when Kabul went, uh, you know, all hell broke loose in Kabul. He was vacationing in the Hamptons. He was on Meet the Press on Sunday. And this is what he said that he had. There's hope here because he's placing his hope in something. And this is what he has to say. Clip five.
6: Say this first. Uh, you may have seen that uh, just yesterday a very senior Taliban official went on television and radio across the country and repeatedly assured people in Afghanistan that they would have the freedom to travel after August 31st he even specifically said uh, those who work for the Americans uh, and uh, those who want to leave for whatever reason will have that freedom now of course we don't take the Taliban at their word we take them uh, by their deed and that's what we're going to be looking to we have
4: more than a hundred countries 114 countries we signed on to a statement we initiated uh, making clear the international community expects the Taliban to make good on a commitment to let people continue to leave the country after August 31st. That freedom of travel is essential to the international community's expectations of the Taliban going forward.
1: Well, the Taliban, they're really concerned about the international community's view of them and how they treat Americans. <laughs> the Taliban, uh, the ISIS, uh, they, they're really concerned about diplomatic relations. This is, these are the people. Uh, that are uh, making these decisions, and uh, I don't think it's an accident. I'm sorry. It is not an accident. We are. This is a full Marxist takeover of this country. It just is, and that's, that's the bad news. But the good news is we're, they haven't done it yet. They have not done it yet, and uh, so we're not going to let them, right? We're not going to let them. We're going to do everything we can to fight back. I want to tell you, this is uh, from an insider. His son is flying a C-17 in and out of Kabul, Kabul. and this is what he has to say. The son. First-hand report. Pathetic support by the generals in charge. Millie and Austin are useless and should be fired. Wet trailers, no AC, no Wi-Fi. I can't even understand all these things. The temperature is 118 Fahrenheit. Sitting on a ramp for 10-plus hours with all engines running till they start flaming out. Utter chaos. 10% of base works their blank off for 100% of the work. Refugees are passing out from heat stroke. Babies born on the jet. One bathroom for 450 people. Emergencies becoming part of everyone's call sign. Talks of, um, I guess, relief from the duty. 26-hour duty day. Now we have a 32-hour duty day. It's normal. Leadership here is incompetent to make a change. Now jets are breaking left and right. Uh, Right now we've sat at the jet six hours with no, um, I'm not sure what APU means, but huffer carts are breaking down. Avionics overheat. AFGH packs are being forced to the floor to floor load from OTBH to ETAR. ETAR. No seat belts. Minimal laboratory, hardcover floors with plastic tarps. Overall, you can't make this stuff up. Stuff up. No words to describe. Uh, uh, by con- uh, so here's uh, I mentioned this as a Delta pilots, uh, Airlines pilot, Alexander Khan, who's been transporting Afghan refugees from Ram- Ram- Ramstein Air Force Base in Germany to Dallas as part of the Civil Reserve Air Fleet. He, he and his crew used their own money to purchase diapers, wipes, coloring books, and balloons for many of the young refugees on board. And then there's a, one, of the, one of the Marines that was killed, one of the 13 uh, soldiers. There were, I think, 11 Marines or 10, and there were three other designations. This, one of them was um, Hunter Lopez, and his mother posted a picture of him saying that his last act of service was to bring this little boy to, in Afghanistan to safety. He carried him on his shoulders for five miles. He is the epitome of a hero. Then I have in my hand a picture of a Marine. He's got his helmet on. It's a side view. And he has written on his helmet, Joshua one nine. I will be strong and courageous. I will not be terrified or um, discouraged, for the Lord my God is with me wherever I I go, Joshua 1-9, on the helmet of a Marine. And then, of course, uh, those Marines that were killed, uh, all the military guys that were killed, the 13, uh, were flown back uh, and transferred to Dover Air Force Base. There's a beautiful ceremony involved with that. If you haven't seen it, there's a picture posted by the U.S. Marines, and uh, they label it flag-draped transfer cases lined the inside of a C-17 prior to a dignified transfer at Dover Air Force Base, Delaware. The fallen service members died while supporting non-combat operations in Kabul. Gone, but never forgotten. And so, um, uh, there were at least six, uh, killed 60, that particular attack killed 60 Afghans and 13 U.S. troops. 18, uh, um, it's a Navy medic uh, was also one of those that died was more people that were injured in that but just that's that covers that and you saw that marine that has commander who's been speaking up uh, calling out his um, he calling out his superiors or his his uh, even his equals he's saying what did you do did it, any of you throw your rank on the table and say hey this is a bad idea to uh, evacuate Bagram airfield Bagram airfield is the uh, the place where we could have gotten these people out they closed down the airfield that's where the Isis Prisoners were held, and we turned it over to the Taliban. This is my, these are my words. He doesn't go into that. It's just ridiculous. So that we oversaw releasing ISIS, and now uh, although the Taliban must have made some deal with this administration, I told you I've been told that the State Department or the Defense Department—I don't know—is paying the money, paying money hand over fist to the Taliban uh, to get you know to help us get those people out, at least some of them, so that we can appear to be doing something. Uh, so that our people won't get mad, so cover us, please and uh but they're not really uh, on the side, they're still beating Americans, they've already started doing horrible things uh, so a marine but battalion commander, Lieutenant colonel Stuart Scheller uh spoke up about this and said, "Did you any of them, any of you, just speak up and challenge That's all he said, and he was relieved of duty immediately and uh, and now he has said, as of yesterday that he's actually resigning. He said, I don't, I don't care about money. I don't want my pension. I don't want to take any money from them. He said, uh, we are something about we are bound, we are becoming in bondage to our security, and I'm giving it all up because I want to be able to speak as a civilian. And he said he'll speak out more when he actually is a civilian. And this is contrasted with Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vinman. Do you remember him going after President Trump? He was an active-duty Marine, a lieutenant colonel. He went after President Trump, and he was a hero to the news media, a hero to the left, and this guy says this, and he gets uh, removed from duty, and now he's resigning. So uh, that's what's happening. And then uh, I just had this in my inbox. The Office of National Intelligence has issued this little warning for those of you that are in the military or are veterans. Given the heightened political and social atmosphere surrounding Afghanistan, it's important to remind our uniformed personnel, active duty and reservists on temporary active duty, and military and military retirees of their responsibilities and obligations, and then they give the, the codes and all of that. And it's that you don't speak badly about your leadership, okay? So that's that's normal for active military, and it's a good thing. In fact, the colonel that just stepped down, he said, I think, you know, I don't have a problem with them pulling me out because, because I understand the rules. Uh, but now they're extending this to military retirees. Uh, it says uh, you are prohibited from—this dis- is retirees, too— Prohibited from disrespecting senior government leadership like the president, the vice president, Congress, secretary of defense, service secretaries, even for civilians, you are reminded of the danger that your public comments will and could be attributed to an office of national intelligence or the Department of Defense while you're entitled to your opinion and to share your opinion amongst those you know and trust being too vocal of criticism of, say, the president or members of the military and civilian leadership might reflect poorly. It is important to share your opinions if you choose to do so in a professional manner that does not call into question your employment, the Department of Defense, or the federal government as a whole. Is that a threat? Is that a threat? Are you in danger of losing your pension? Yes, I think you are. I think you are. I think uh, anybody who's active is in danger of being you know, booted out and losing their retirement, and anyone who is retired. So you guys have some tough decisions to make. It's starting. We told you it would. It's starting. By the way, I told you that a former FBI special agent talked about uh, something being handed out. I thought it was a form uh, for a visa, but it's actually blank copies of visas, handing them out to the Afghanis on those planes, which means that they can now be have access to travel, everything, without being vetted. It's, it's shocking. It cannot possibly be an accident. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR talk
3: Learning University. That wasn't stereo right there, fellas. <laughs> that uh, dude, we were struggling. The bumblebee was called the humblebee.
5: Is that true? Chicken legs are also called drumsticks. Yeah. yeah,
3: that's not a good ice cream flavor. They've got some little tiny saddles that they put on those dragons. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can only ride them one. Because <laughs> then they turn around and take yeah. your leg off. Hey, Andrew, you want to ask no, it? i so excited about getting on and missed my exit. <laughs> uh,
6: Friday mornings at 10 Central on American Family Radio. It was a bad move. Target invited men who say they feel like women into restrooms and changing areas designated for women. They probably guessed other retailers would follow their lead. But they were wrong. Others saw that bandwagon was headed in the wrong direction. We're not ready to sacrifice the safety of women and children for the sake of progressive bathroom policies. Invite Target to make a better move. Sign the Boycott Target pledge at
2: afa.net. The borrower is the slave of the lender. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Prior to the passage of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, over 80% of American families were debt-free. Today, however, over 80% of the American people are saddled with debt. I was asked recently what advice I could offer in the midst of the national tension we currently face. One of the things I said in response was to work toward getting completely out of debt. So much fruitfulness and faithfulness to God has been robbed from us due to the impact of crushing debt.
5: One of the best things you can do for your family right now is to become debt-free.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner, or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
3: This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. I had the privilege of co-hosting a special edition of Steve Bannon's War Room Pandemic on Saturday. One of its most disturbing insights was Steve's concerning a U.S. Northern Command Disclosure that the Biden administration had been planning on relocating Afghan nationals in this country since last April. That helps explain why it is that over 100,000 of them have been extracted from Kabul airport compared to less than 6,000 American citizens. That preference means many of our countrymen and women likely will be left behind in Afghanistan when the evacuation soon ends. It remains to be seen what terrible consequences happen over there. No less ominous, though, is the prospect that there will be among the large numbers of Afghans admitted into this country without proper vetting, some who wish to do us harm here. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the Morning
0: on American Family Radio.
1: Katie Rios back with you. Well, if you think the Biden administration is, you know, not doing much because of what we're seeing in Kabul, you would be wrong because they're actually doing a lot of other things. In fact, just uh, last week, the week before that, the Biden administration issued a back-to-school video for transgender students, and I want you to hear part of it. It's um, it's about five minutes long. It starts with the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights, Kristen Clark. And then it goes to Rachel, well, we're going to, we, this is a shortage, short uh, version of it, uh, Rachel Levine. She is the, definitely, she is the man who is the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services who has long blonde hair, and I just this morning, ironically, got a whole series of photos of her in various poses. And I'm going to just take a second. There's one of her dressed uh, like a baby doll walking in an airport. She's He has a skirt on with ruffles and It's short, and this is a very manly-looking man, I have to say. Think of Ben Franklin dressed as a baby doll. That's what he looks like. Uh, Then there's another. I'll just mention this other one because there are several. There's one uh, of him in a tank top that's uh, very revealing, the most revealing tank top I've actually personally ever seen uh, with shorts. um, Let's see. How can I explain this kindly on on American Family Radio? Shorts with a provision for the part that maybe he wishes he didn't have prominently placed, like a little pocket, especially for it. So that's the second voice you're going to hear on this. And this is the announcement that the Department of uh, of Education had to say. Let's listen. Hello. I am Suzanne Goldberg, Acting Assistant Secretary for the Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights.
2: I'm Kristen Clark, the Assistant Attorney General for the Civil Rights Division at the U.S. Department of Justice. We know that many school administrators and educators are doing their best to make schools safe and welcoming places for all students, including LGBTQI students. We appreciate the work they do. But we also know that that's not the reality for all transgender
5: students, including perhaps some of you. Hello, I am Dr. Rachel Levine, Assistant Secretary for Health. We know at the United States Department of Health and Human Services that learning environments free from bullying and harassment are vital to making sure that all students flourish, regardless of their sexual orientation or gender identity. President Biden sent an unequivocal message to the transgender community, quote, to all transgender Americans watching at home, especially the young people, I want you to know your president has your back, unquote. Well, I want all of you to know that I have your back too, and I will do everything that I can to support and advocate for our community.
2: We stand behind you and are ready to
1: act to defend your rights. Best of luck for this next school year. I join my colleagues in wishing you all the best for an enriching and fulfilling school year go. So I told you the Biden administration have been very busy. It's kind of hard to take uh, Dr. Rachel Levine uh, seriously for, uh, about worrying about harassment and uh, whatever she said, bullying. When you go around dressed the way I described that she's been dressing. It's just shocking. And so Terry Schilling is joining me this morning. Terry is the head of American Principles Project. And uh, he's as upset about this as I am, aren't you, Terry?
4: Very upset. It's, it's, it's one of the craziest and most concerning videos I've seen come out from this administration. That's saying a lot, Sandy. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Oh, my pleasure. And of course, Barack Obama started all this, Terry, when he issued that dictate right at the end of his presidency that all school boards, if they wanted to get funded, they had to uh, provide for transgender kids to, you know, use bathrooms that comport with their, what they think they are, and dressings and traveling and all to make no difference in gender. So he started it, didn't he?
4: Exactly no the, the President Obama, we need to rethink his time in office president Obama's his main job as a covert Marxist was to divide Americans on every single issue possibly uh, that he could, whether it was defunding the police and making it sound like you know police were just shooting unarmed black men uh, who were totally innocent and not committing any crimes for no reason, or if it's confusing people about what bathrooms to use or what their gender is and whether or not men can actually have babies like. He was a divisive president, and, and he, got, he got the job done, right, because he created these institutions, he created these industries. One thing that we take for granted on the transgender issue is the fact that big pharma is now making lots and lots of money off of these hormone treatments, and they've created an industry around it, so it's going to be even more difficult to, to destroy this very harmful industry.
1: So let's bring it down to uh, where some people live. A lot of people that listen to this show that's Virginia. because And I think, Terry, you're, you're close. Uh, Virginia uh, has had a couple of places, a couple of areas that have really been on the front lines. One of them is Loudoun County. And of course, the board there didn't give a whit what all those hundreds and hundreds and thousands, maybe, I don't know, probably at least a thousand parents uh, came to school boards and tried to stop this. They passed their transgender policy. Just a, a few thoughts about what's, what's unusual about that and why is that concerning in Loudoun County?
4: Well, number one, Loudoun County is a dark blue uh, part of Virginia. It's in Northern Virginia. The school board is all Democrat. Uh, the, the the local representation is all Democratic. And so to have parents in a highly Democratic part of the state push back in such a um, strong manner is a very big deal. It says that this agenda just isn't flying, even with the most Democrat of Democrat voters in the country. That's number one. But number two is, this is coming to fruition. I mean, these school boards do not care about getting unelected. They aren't afraid of it. They think that they've got this in the back, and we need to hold them accountable. And I, I, Loudoun County has been such an encouragement, not just to me, not to just you know, other conservative organizations, but to parents across the country. They see parents at these Loudoun County school board meetings getting kicked out or, or, or arrested um, or, or silenced. And they're now motivated to go to their school board meetings and hold their officials accountable. The big thing that I'm concerned about is letting the energy drop after this and not taking this energy all the way to the ballot box. These guys will never change unless they start getting unelected. And that's our job as parents right now is to unelect our school board members, anyone that's been fighting us on these issues.
1: So in Virginia in particular... There is an election. I don't know if it's school board, though. I don't know I know it's probably different everywhere in the state. Can you kind of explain that? Is there something Virginians can do about this particular issue right now? And this is not just for people in Virginia, so don't tune out, just because we're mentioning Virginia. Virginia is just on the front line, and they have a, an election coming up. So, Terry, what is there a relationship with this election and this subject matter?
4: Yes, yeah, so um, you're, you're exactly right about one of the major problems of school boards is that the elections are held at all different times um, throughout the year, depending on what part of the country you are, and it's not even uniform by state sometimes. So it's been very murky and cloudy. And, and America Pringles Project, with our big family, we're trying to address that with a transparency project. That you know, there's 13,000 school boards across the country, and they all have different election dates. So we're compiling all that. We want to have a tool to where people can plug in their address and find out. Uh, which when their school board meetings are and when their school board elections are, make it really easy to get text message reminders, all that. Anyway, um, there is an election coming up in November. It's it's hit or miss on whether or not the entire school board is going to change. I, it, the entire school board will change, but if the parents there collect just a few scalps, it'll send a message that if you ignore the will of parents, if you tell them to sit down and shut up, if you arrest them for speaking out at school board meetings, there is going to be a consequence to pay. And you don't know who it's going to be. So it might actually be more powerful than a clean sweep of the board is to just take a few um, strategic uh, scalps. But I know that there's a good, good, good group. uh, One of them is called Parents Against Critical Theory. Um, in in Loudon County, and they are working to turn that school board around it 's really an impressive operation
1: so the transparency project you 'll tell us when that's coming out right because so we can share that with people all over the country
4: exactly you know and i and i'll just be very upfront it 's been very frustrating because we, we started launching this in June, and it gets more and more complicated <laughs> here 's the thing this is a, this is such a corrupt operation with the school boards. And it's all been deliberate by the teachers unions. So what they've done is the teachers unions don't want to have to compete with voters or alternative candidates. So what they've done is they've done state by state, county by county, locality by locality. And they've, they've set the, the election dates at different times and in different places. And it's totally uh, clouded and murky. murky and it's, it's hard for normal people to know all the details. So It's a big project. There's 13,000 school districts. That's no, you know, that that means there's, you know, 13,000 school board members at least. There's a lot of work to be done, and and we're going to need a lot of help getting this project off the ground.
1: Well, I think the bottom line, I think your project's terrific. But the bottom line for this moment, people listening, is be responsible. You can find out in your own area. You can get involved, and you can, somebody said recently that the best way to save this country is get involved in your schools. And school board, and uh, I, I think you know that's where the grassroots are growing right now. I, I want to point out too, just a bright spot. You probably know this, Terry, but again, Virginia at the Chesapeake school board uh, turned down uh, the state's policies for transgenders. They listened to their people and voted against them. Isn't isn't that is encouraging, isn't it?
4: Exactly. No, it's very encouraging. Look, we can't. We always have to fight, even if it seems. Being- Like, it's a hard task or that we won't be able to get it done. We have to fight because we don't know the outcome before we fight. And, uh, you know, we're in in this fight as parents, we're called to be faithful. You know, we're called to be faithful to our kids to protect their innocence. And and that's really the most egregious part about this entire transgender effort is its effect on kids. I mean, they're confusing these little kids at a very, and let's not forget how confusing and difficult puberty is right? Like, your body is really changing, and it's tough, and you feel uncomfortable, and these progressives lean into that, and they try and confuse, use that time of confusion and angst. Um, As a teenager, when you're going through puberty, they want to destroy you. They want to make you infertile, so you can't have children ever for the rest of your life, but it's totally nefarious. It's a totally evil movement, and I'm just—I've been blown away at how great parents have been in fighting back against this. They've been so resilient and brave.
1: Yes, uh, Terry, I've actually had a front-row seat to this for a couple of decades now, and I, you know, and I had a son in, uh, who graduated from high school in 2000, and so even this was starting way back then when he was a kid. I saw it; it was just amazing. And later on, I was teaching in a high school in Barrington. Illinois for a short time. I taught voice, so I was a part time instructor. Um, and I was, it, it came to my attention that in the, in the library there, this is in the 90s, uh, there were pictures of, this is a public school in the probably the mid to late 90s. There were pictures of men, naked men with colored condoms on, sitting in beds, sitting, and they, they, these pictures were hung suspended from the ceiling in the library. I mean, lots of them. They were all over, not just if you look hard, you can find one picture. And I went to this very large church nearby and said, you know, your kids are going to school here, and this is a problem. Don't you think this is a problem? I couldn't get them to do anything, Terry. And so this has been a long process. I mean, I covered a million other issues like that since then, and we couldn't stir parents with a stick because— they didn't want to get their kids to be compromised at school. They didn't want teachers to turn against them. They just weren't willing. And so for me personally, this is a tremendous, tremendously gratifying to see parents just putting it all on the line now and getting mad. Thank God for that. Late to the party, but they're there. Um, you wrote some great tweets about this. We only have a couple of minutes left, but what else can people do? You talked about school boards. What, your general message to parents is what? It's time to do what?
4: It's time to engage in politics.
1: You know, Sandy, you, I, you've been around for a long
4: time, and there, there was this shift in the conservative movement, I would say, in the 80s to 90s, and even it was Peter we pitch in the 2000s. And, and, and the shift was essentially this. Politics is downstream of culture, so we have to focus on the culture and not so much politics, and, and then the rest will follow. That was a lie. It's half-true. You know, a half-truth is a lie. Politics is not just downstream of culture. Politics can actually change the culture. And so what happened was, while we seeded, as parents, while we seeded the political grounds and gave up our school boards and gave up our state representatives, gave up our, 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 our positions of power, the left has gotten onto that. And they've shifted our political landscape so much that we don't even know what bathroom to use right now. Think about that. I mean, when we were arguing that we need to focus on the culture and not politics, We now no longer know which bathroom to use. We now no longer know, our politicians anyway, that men can't have babies. That's how crazy it is. We have to get engaged in politics. The only thing that matters right now in this age is power. And politics is where families and and voters get their power. So if we allow these people to continue to destroy this country through their positions of power, in the legislative branches, all the way down to the school board, we will not win. We cannot win by yeah. trying to start new movies. You have yeah. to take back politics.
1: Okay, That's I'm, with I'm with you. No and take your kids out of school if you can't win. If you can't prevail, because it's too dangerous. Terry Schilling, American Principles Project. Terry, thank you, thank you so much. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast